Well, the history of the world is populated, beloved, with, with great empires and mighty kingdoms. And these empires and these kingdoms have, have ruled over great times and large numbers of people and large periods and covered great lands, many lands, like the, the empires of Japan and the kingdoms of, of Britain and the empires of the Ottoman. And of course, there is always the, the kingdom of Zamunda and the empire of Wakanda, great and mighty empires have ruled upon the face of the earth. The, <laughs> the Bible records some of these great kingdoms in history. Kingdom of Egypt. First great kingdom the Bible records for us revealed in the scriptures under the rule of the pharaohs. Mighty Mighty in power and structures and advancements and, and science and civilization is the kingdom of Israel. It reached its heights under the reign of David and Solomon, achieved mighty victories and accumulated great wealth. It's the kingdom of Babylon. And though short lived, it, it grew rapidly. And you read in the scriptures under the reign of the likes and the rule of. Nebuchadnezzar became a cultural center of the ancient world. There's a Persian kingdom. And at its heights, it ruled over much of Mesopotamia and the Middle East and was feared, feared for its great military power and vast reach. And there was a kingdom of Greece well-known for his mighty leaders like Alexander the Great and his quick conquest of other kingdoms and advancements and language and education. Then there was the Roman Empire, the kingdom of Rome, and it was unparalleled in its power and dominance and its governments and its military and its advancements in civilization, many of which we remain with us even to this day. But it's also revealed in the scriptures the kingdom of Satan, the vast and arrayed power and the influence of the evil one in this world, a kingdom that is vast and filled with his minions and is ruled by lies and murder. And as Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 reminds us, wickedness in the high places. But then, beloved, there is also the kingdom of God. The kingdom of all kingdoms. In fact, the only eternal kingdom, the kingdom that promises to bring all other kingdoms to an end, the eternal kingdom which has an eternal <coughs> king. It is the only kingdom that continues, continues to grow, and yet it grows without sword. It grows without gun. 
is a kingdom that expands as a kingdom of love, a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of peace, a kingdom of joy, a kingdom of God. And this, this is the kingdom that Jesus brought to the world. This is the kingdom that Jesus revealed to his disciples. And like his disciples, this is the kingdom that you and I are blessed to share. To share. We are not just members of the church this morning, beloved. But we are citizens in the kingdom of God. Under the righteous reign and sovereign benevolent rule of our God and our Savior and our King. We reminded last night that in the NBA, there is King James. But in the KOG, there is King Jesus and his kingdom is without end. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom into which you have been called. The kingdom in which we labor and the kingdom in which we share. We share, beloved. I don't know if you thought about that. That you and I share in the kingdom of God. That is most important this morning. That we understand that we share in the kingdom. This is what the disciples learned. Jesus didn't just bring the kingdom. He didn't just reveal the kingdom. Jesus came to share the kingdom. And he shared it with his disciples. That's what you see at the beginning of Luke chapter 9. It's what Jesus did. Jesus shared the power and authority of the kingdom with his disciples. Look at verse 1 of chapter 9. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus didn't just invite his disciples into the kingdom. But he shared it with them. He shared the authority of the kingdom. He shared with them the power of the kingdom. 
the authority that the kingdom of God has over the kingdom of Satan. He shared that with them. Authority over demons. He shared with them the power to heal diseases and the sick. In sharing the kingdom with them, he was showing them what the kingdom promises to be. This is what the kingdom promises to be. The kingdom promises freedom. Freedom. Freedom from the oppression of all other kingdoms. Freedom. Freedom from sickness. Freedom from disease. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from sin. Freedom from want. Freedom from lack. That's the kingdom of God. And the disciples shared. And they experienced much success in sharing the kingdom. Because with the disciples, the kingdom was spreading. The kingdom of God was spreading. Because the kingdom of God is always spreading. Understand, beloved, the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom. Okay? It is an invisible kingdom. And yet it is always growing. And yet, though it is invisible, don't miss this, though it is invisible, every now and then, the power of the invisible breaks through into the visible. And you see it. You hear it. You feel it. That was the ministry of Jesus. That was the ministry of Jesus. Jesus brought the invisible kingdom and he made it visible. And he had his disciples sharing that. That became visible. And he shared that ministry with his disciples, and it was wonderful. Wonderful. Never seen anything like it before. No kingdom like this. Their success in healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching the gospel no doubt surprised them. But it not only surprised them, it encouraged them too, beloved. So much so that the Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 10 that when they returned, they couldn't wait to tell Jesus all about it. When they had come back from seeing and sharing the kingdom of God, they came back and they wanted to tell Jesus all about it. They couldn't wait. And Jesus was eager to hear all about it, too. And so what does he do? Jesus decides, fellas, I want to hear all about it. I want to hear all about it. Let's get away. Let's get away so we can debrief. And I want to hear all about how you've seen the kingdom of God. 
Well, that exercise of debriefing, beloved, was short-lived. For when the people of Galilee heard that Jesus and his disciples were in the area, they, can't, they couldn't pass it up. They came out in droves like a Taylor Swift concert. They just filled the streets everywhere, everywhere. They wanted to hear from Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see his disciples. And they pressed in on him. And they pressed in on him. And they pressed the disciples and Jesus for their time. They pressed them for their energy. They pressed them for the kingdom. And amazingly, beloved, amazingly, instead of running them off like I would have done, we already did that, come back tomorrow, Jesus ministered to them. The more they came, the more he spoke. And what did he speak to them about? The kingdom. He spoke to them about the kingdom and God. And what did he reveal to them? The blessings of the kingdom. For not only was he preaching, the Bible says, he began healing. Just as he had told his disciples to do. God is always about the kingdom. Revealing and proclaiming and sharing the kingdom of God. And as the day went on, and it was getting late, beloved, the Bible tells us that the people began to grow tired and hungry because it had been a glorious day of listening to Jesus and watching Jesus, seeing the kingdom, but it had been a long day. So much so that the disciples looked out upon the, around, looked out upon the crowd and they could see the signs. And they knew it was getting late and this wasn't looking good. And they went to Jesus and they told him, Lord, this has been great, but I think it's about time we close shop. It's getting late. And in case you hadn't noticed, this is a barren place. And these people are getting hungry and anxious, and they're going to want to eat. And so if you don't mind, would you please just send these people away? But notice what Jesus said to them. Jesus said to them, is that so? Well, I got a question for you. Why don't you feed them? Why don't you feed them? Now, beloved, they had just come back from sharing in the power of the kingdom of God. They had just seen God do great things, hadn't they? What happened to that kingdom faith that they were so excited to share with Jesus? Had they not seen the blessings of the kingdom, had they not been instruments 
of those blessings. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, in other words, don't just talk about it, be about it. Don't just talk about the kingdom. Be about the kingdom. Help us is right. That should be a reminder to us this morning, beloved. That you don't just talk about the things of God. You be about the things of God. Don't just talk about it at church, but be about it at home. Be about it at work. Don't just talk about the grace of God. Be about the grace of God. Don't just talk about the love of God. Be about the love of God. Don't just talk about prayer. Be about prayer. Don't just talk about trusting Jesus. Be about trusting Jesus. But unfortunately, disciples are just like us. They just weren't about it. And in honesty, beloved, I think I might have been with the disciples on this one. Because they looked around and they saw all those people. And Jesus says, why don't you feed them? And they look at him and said, what, feed them folks? What you talking about, Jesus? Feed over 5,000 people. Lord, I don't know if you realize it, but all we have is a few loaves and a couple of fish. And this place that we got here is desolate. It is re remote. There are no fast food restaurants. There's no pizza delivery out here. There are no big box stores. And casting out demons is one thing. But getting food where there is no food? Bringing something out of nothing? We might have had the power to cast out demons, but who has faith to feed 5,000 from nothing this morning? Here's the good news, beloved. Here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus didn't make it about the disciples. Because it wasn't about the disciples. It's about the kingdom. He didn't make it about the disciples. This was not just about the disciples and how 5,000 people could be fed with a small portion of food. This was about the kingdom of God. The revelation of the kingdom of God. But before we go on, it is always important to remember that it is always about the kingdom of God. It is always about the kingdom of God. Whether it's turning water into wine, it's about the kingdom of God. Whether it's casting out demons, it's about the kingdom of God. Whether it's healing blind men, it is about the kingdom of God. Feeding the multitude is no different. Here was another opportunity to not just talk about the kingdom, but to be about the kingdom.
And that's Jesus. Out, out in this desolate place. Out in this remote location. Out in this place that was decimated by the effects of sin rose up the blessings of the glory of the kingdom of God. Again, beloved, the invisible kingdom broke through into the visible and demonstrated what the kingdom is all about. Unforgettably demonstrated what the kingdom was all about. And it teaches us two Important truths, and we're going to be done. Just two. Two important truths this morning that we should always remember about the kingdom of God. And the first one is, it's what Jesus demonstrated in the kingdom, and it is so wonderful, beloved, that in the kingdom, everyone has a place. In the kingdom, everyone has a place. Notice what it says in verse 11, that when the crowds came to Jesus, he welcomed them all. He welcomed them all. And they all came. They all came. Men came. Women came. Children came. Young came. Old came. Jews came. Gentiles came. Black came. White came. They all came. Because that's the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is populated with them all. With people, as Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 reminds us, from every nation, tribe, and language. All of them. They all come. They all come. Every nation is there. Contrary to popular belief, beloved, there are no Christian nations. There are just Christians populated nations. And they are in every nation. Every nation has Christians. And the king and his kingdom is everywhere. Every nation, every nation, every tribe. Every tribe is there. Every tribe is there. Throughout the history of the world, people have populated and separated themselves off into tribes. That's what we do. We separate ourselves off in the tribes, whether it's the tribes of Israel, whether it's the many tribes of Africa, whether it's the tribes of the natives in America, the, the Cherokee and the Sioux and the Comanche and the Osage and the Navajo, etc. all of them. But the kingdom of God, there is no separation. Every tribe is there. Every tribe. Every tribe is, rep- is represented because every tongue is there. Every tongue is there. In the Old Testament, you know what language did? Language separated people. But in the kingdom of God, every language is heard, giving praise to God. There is no language in which Jesus cannot be worshipped. There is no language in which Jesus cannot be known. Every Every tribe is there, every language is there, every nation is there, every denomination is there. They got Baptists, they got Presbyterians, they got Methodists, they got Anglicans, they got Church of God, they got Church of God in Christ. In the kingdom, they all come. They all come. 
And they all come. And none, none, beloved, none gets sent away. None gets sent away. None. See what the disciples said in verse 12? What did they suggest? Send the crowds away. They all came. And not Jesus, they all came, but not Jesus. You got to send them away. Send away. Send away. Christ didn't come to send away. He didn't come to leave the hungry hungry. He didn't come to leave the thirsty thirsty. The Bible tells us in John chapter 6 and verse 37 that Jesus sends no one away. Sends no one away. Remember the Canaanite woman in Matthew chapter 15? When she came to Jesus and they tried to send her away. And Jesus said, no, 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 she's welcome. She's welcome. You remember the children in, Mark, in Luke chapter 18 when they were pressing in on Jesus and they tried to send them away. And Jesus said, no, 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 let them come. Let them come for such is the kingdom of heaven. You remember blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10 when he's crying out to Jesus and they said, shut up, go away. Jesus ain't got time. Jesus said, no, 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 let him come. Let him come. Let him come. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not go away. The kingdom of God is come. 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 Come without money. Come without price. You just come. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come. 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 Why? Because the kingdom of God is home. Come home. Come home. You who are weary, come home softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling, calling poor sinners. Come home. Come home. Come. You just come. You just come. Why? Because, beloved, you can always come home. You can always come home. I don't care. No matter how long, no matter how far. You can come home. You can come like the prodigal son who wastes himself and his resources. He realizes that he can come home. I try to tell my children all the time, I don't care how far you go. I don't care how long you go. You need to understand that you can always come home. You can come home. That's the kingdom of God. It's not go away. The kingdom of God is come, come. Everyone has a place in the kingdom. That's what Jesus is showing them. Everyone has a place. But not only does everyone have a place, but beloved, in the kingdom also, Everyone has a plate. Everyone gets a plate. You know the fear of the disciples was that they couldn't feed everyone. That was the anxiety they were having. They couldn't feed everyone. They, they, they understood that 
the 12 of them could probably get by with the two fishes and the loaves. But there was no way they were going to be able to share with everybody. Everybody was not going to be able to eat, beloved. Listen. Everyone has a plate because Jesus feeds. Okay? It's the first thing. Jesus feeds. The Bible says they all ate. Now, in one sense, I think the disciples are being considerate. They're being considerate because they didn't want to eat in front of all those people who were hungry. You know how it gets. I remember growing up, we were, I remember growing up, I would go to my friend's house, and they didn't have much to eat. And you knew when it was time to leave. You knew when it was time to leave. Because they didn't have enough for you. Mommy wasn't planning on you being there that day. And all you did was prolong the meal. Because they were being considerate. Here are the disciples. They didn't want to eat in front of all these people who were hungry. Because they didn't have enough to share. And they understood that if they tried to share, they would quickly run out. Jesus. And so they don't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we don't have any food. They come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we don't have enough food. It's not that we don't have any. It's that we don't have enough. But what did Jesus show them that the kingdom of God is? That in the kingdom of God, in verse 17 of Luke chapter 9, everyone eats. Everyone eats. How many people? How many people ate that day, beloved? How many people ate that day? Well, some might say it was four to 5,000. But that might be just the men. If you include the women and the children, then others might say it's upwards of seven or 8,000. Still, others might even say perhaps 10 or 12,000. But I'll tell you how many ate that day. All of them. Everybody. They all ate. Why? Because Jesus feeds. That's what Jesus does, beloved. He feeds all. All who come to him, he feeds. There is no food insecurity in the kingdom of God. No food shortage. No nutrition deprivation. Everyone eats. No one gets turned away. No one gets turned away. And so therefore, there is no need to hurry. There is no need to worry. There is no need of running out. Everyone eats. Everyone eats. Because Jesus feeds. But he doesn't just feed. Okay? The kingdom of God doesn't just feed. Jesus also fills. He fills. Verse 17 says they were all full and satisfied. 
Not only did everyone eat, but everyone was satisfied. In the kingdom of God, everyone has enough. Everyone has enough. Again, beloved, again, the disciples understood. The disciples understood that they didn't have enough. But that was okay. Because Jesus did. Because Jesus always has enough. That's what it says in John chapter 6 and verse 35. And he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The point of this passage, beloved, is not the inadequacy of the disciples. We are all inadequate. It is not the inadequacy of the bread and the fish. The best that the world has to offer is going to be inadequate. The point is that the kingdom of God is about the adequacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. There is here a spiritual trap. There's a spiritual trap here. And I don't want you to fall into it. Okay? And the common trap is to read this text and begin to think that you and I have to feed everybody who comes to us. It is to get into the trap. It is a spiritual trap that we fall into too often. That you and I have to satisfy everyone who comes to us. This is especially a trap for those in ministry, Pastor Phil. But it's a trap we all fall into. We think we got to please everyone who comes to us. We got to have an answer for every question. We got to have a solution for every problem we got to have a supply for every need. Listen, beloved, the disciples didn't have a solution. The disciples didn't have an answer. The disciples didn't have enough. And you know what they were feeling at that time? They were feeling their own inadequacies to feed all these people. But you know what? They also didn't want the people to know that they were inadequate. That's a spiritual trap. They didn't want the people to know they didn't have enough. You know what people in leadership don't want you to know? You know what people in leadership don't want you to know? People in leadership don't want you to know that they don't know. That's what they don't want you to know. You ever listen to the president, they ask him questions? He never says, I don't know. Because people in leadership never want you to know that they don't know. And the disciples didn't have enough. They didn't want the people to know they didn't have enough. I can empathize. I know exactly how they felt. I know exactly how they felt. Becoming a grandparent has reminded me of how much I'm lacking. My granddaughter, as most of you know, is full of life, excitement, and energy. 
And when she comes around, I don't have enough. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough patience. And so I tell her, you need to go sit down. You need to go be quiet. You need to go away. As if she's the problem. She is not the problem. I'm the one lacking. I'm the one who's too old. I'm the one who doesn't have enough. And what happens to her? She becomes discouraged. She becomes discouraged because she runs up on somebody who doesn't have enough. This is a problem we always run into, isn't it? And this, is, this becomes a source of our discouragement. When we run up on people who don't have enough, who don't have an answer, who don't have a solution, who don't have the resources. People come to me all the time as a pastor, and some of you may be thinking about coming to me now. I can tell you right now, I don't have enough. <laughs> whatever you thought, whatever you heard, whatever you anticipated, I want to tell you right now, okay? Let's just get it out on the table. Your pastor don't have enough. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough love. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough grace. I don't have enough understanding. I don't have enough wisdom. But listen to me, beloved. Listen to me. Don't allow what you find lacking in others, or better yet, what is lacking in yourself to discourage you. Because though I might not have enough, Jesus does. Jesus does. So you let him be your sufficiency. You let him be your adequacy. You let him be your satisfaction. You let him be enough. Jesus is enough. Did you hear what I said? Jesus is enough. You know that? Most of us don't know that. Because most of us are seeking to find sufficiency and adequacy in all the people and things in our lives. Husbands try to find their sufficiency and adequacy in their wives and wives in their husbands. Parents in their children and children in their parents try to find it in our work. can tell you how many times I see people seeking to find their sufficiency in what they do. And their gifts and their abilities and their church and their school and their teachers. And they're preachers. Love, I got news for you. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can feed and only Jesus can fill. That's what he does. He feeds and he fills. And in the kingdom of God, Jesus feeds all who come to him. He feeds. He feeds all who come to him. He feeds and he fills all who come to him. Now listen to me this morning. If you are going hungry this morning, it is not because there's not enough food. It's because you refuse to eat. 
If you are going hungry this morning, it is not because there is no food on the table. It is because you have refused to eat. But I want to tell you this morning, if you start eating with Jesus, I promise you, you won't go hungry. If you start today feeding upon Christ, I can tell you, you won't go hungry because Jesus will satisfy. He satisfies all those who come to him. He feeds and he fills. There is no hunger in the kingdom of God. There is no thirst in the kingdom of God. Jesus is the bread of life. And he feeds all those who come to him. Jesus pours the water of life into your cup to overflowing. And you will not be thirsty anymore. Beloved, I want to tell you this morning that in the kingdom of God, there's more than enough. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. You don't have to worry about it. Every time you come, there's food on the table. Every time you come, there's food on the table. When you wake up in the morning, there's food on the table. No matter what time you leave for lunch, when you get there, there's food on the table. When it is supper time, there is food on the table. This morning, the Lord Jesus delights to feed you. Are you eating? Are you eating this morning? Are you feasting on the kingdom of God this morning? The Lord himself has fed us from his word. Are you feasting? Are you being filled? Do you find yourself being satisfied with Jesus? You can be this morning. He has given you his word. And as we come to his table, he's given us his grace, his love, his joy, and his peace. Because that is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you this morning.